Paul writes here a number of characteristics about the character and conduct of a godly Christian. And he says here, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he is thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's bow in a word of prayer together before we begin our study. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you would grant to us understanding, open our eyes, that we might see great and mighty things from your word, and that, Father, you would give us insight and help us, Father, to obey. In Jesus' precious name, amen. As I mentioned, we've been going through the book of Romans. Book of Romans, as we've traveled through with Paul through 11 chapters of what God has done in our life, that we were sinners, that he made us right, that he helps us to grow, and now, how are we to live? That's what we have been through. And he has told us in verse 1 that we are to live as a living sacrifice, we're to give our lives unconditionally, without reservation, in obedience to Christ, and that is our act of worship. That we are not to be worldly, verse 2, not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our thinking, of our mind. That we are to be people who view ourselves in humility. We are to view other people as important, knowing that they have gifts. And we are to use our gifts in the body of Christ. And we have come now to this section that talks about who we are, our character, our conduct, that we are to be people, as we've talked about last week, who have loved people and love God unhypocritically, who love the things that God loves and hates the thing that God hates. We are to love people. We are to have a passion for God. We are to be devoted to prayer. We are to be hospitable. And that's where we left off. When we look at the subject of hospitality, just to touch on that before we move on to this next section, practicing hospitality, the word practicing there, really means to pursue or to chase. 
And hospitality, as I've shared with you before, literally means lover of strangers. So if one is going to be practicing hospitality, they need to pursue people who are strangers. You see, hospitality is not, I open up my home to my friends, or I don't have a home so I don't have to practice hospitality, or I open it up to my relatives or whatever it may be. Hospitality biblically means you pursue those who you don't know, who are strangers, and you show them love. That's what hospitality is. And in the New Testament times, it was very, very important because people would travel and many times they would travel in a foreign town. And if they stayed in an inn, it was not only dangerous, but perhaps there was great immorality there. And so having a Christian brother or sister who opened up their home to a stranger who could say, stay with me or or let me uh, treat you to a meal or whatever was very, very important in those New Testament times. There's no such thing as a Christian who says, well, you know what, I just do my own thing. I go about my own business. I'm, I, I, I don't bother anybody and no one bothers me. An unfriendly Christian is an un- inhospitable Christian. There's no place to ignore people and to and go about and say, well, I, I just mind my own business. But God calls us to be hospitable people. You know, on our 15th anniversary luncheon that we had at Snoqualmie Ridge Golf Club, we went there and it was, a, it was a real wonderful time. And again, thank you to all of you who worked so hard to put that together. But probably very few of you know that the waiters and the staff there had some comments about our church. In fact, there was one Christian among all the waiters that were there There was one Christian, I don't know if you noticed, standing in the very back when our speaker was speaking. He was listening intently, listening intently, and after the message was done, after the whole thing was done, he came up and he spoke with the speaker and he thanked him for the good and encouraging message that the speaker gave. And he told the speaker this, he said to him, it was Doug Nichols, he told him that all the other waiters and all the other support staff were in the back. And they were commenting about our church. And they just talking about us. And they said, you know, this particular group of people are so kind and good. And they had all of these wonderful things to say about our church. Because we extended to them kindness. I mean, everything wasn't perfect, but it was such a blessing, he said, to have Christian groups come in and show them that type of testimony. Because it really speaks of of the Lord and what God has done. And I suppose that they compare it to the rest of the other groups that come and perhaps rent out a a facility like that. Rather than being a complaining group or a, a group that was discontent or this is not right, that's not right. And to be demanding. They had many compliments to talk about us. And he was just praising God for the group. And when you show hospitality, you show kindness to strangers. You show people that, you know what, it's okay if things aren't necessarily perfect. But you're encouraging. It shows them a testimony and hospitality in that context. Even if it's not our place, it can be a powerful witness for Christ. And so he leaves off there and he moves on to this next section. Of the character and the conduct of a a godly individual. And we come to the heart of today's text because our attitudes and our conduct, not only to ourselves, but to those in the church, can be challenging enough. But when it comes to how we treat those outside of the church, how we treat other people, especially that don't treat us well, can be a powerful testimony. The question that today's text begs is, how do we treat other people? 
who disrespect us, who don't love us? How do we treat people who cheat us? Or maybe they blamed us for something that we didn't do when we feel we've gotten the short end of the stick, when we've been discriminated against. How do we treat people? How do we respond to them in a godly way? And the point of today's passage is that we are to be a blessing to those who mistreat us. We are to be a blessing to those who mistreat us. Verse 14 is where we left off. It says in the text there as you read, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. You know, in biblical times, this was a challenge. Because, you know, not only did they face perhaps mistreatment by their fellow Jew, but they faced mistreatment by the Romans who oppressed them, who taxed them heavily. In fact, when Jesus said to them, well, you know, when someone asked you to go a mile and go with them too, what was that all about? That was about the fact that a Roman soldier, by law, if you were taking a vacation with your family walking down the road, a Roman soldier could walk by and tell you, carry my weapons for me or carry my bag for me. And you would, by law, have to go with him and carry his bags for an entire mile. How do we, how do we respond when others mistreat us or take advantage of us? The natural response of people would be, say, hey, you know what, I, I, you can't treat me like that. Or we, we curse them or we, we talk about them behind their back. We treat them poorly. We ignore them. We avoid them. We think all sorts of bad things in our minds about people who have said something to us, who have done something to us. We'll gossip about them. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's with your friends. Maybe it's with a, someone else. We slander them. We say things so that when others leave the conversation, they'll think badly about that individual as well. God's desire, though, is for us to be a blessing to them. We are to bless those who mistreat us. We are to treat them in a good way. During eight years ago, there was the Columbine Massacre that happened. Tragedy and the wonderful thing that came out of that was testimony of some of the churches because some of the churches not only reached out in compassion to those families that had lost loved ones, but they also reached out to minister to the families of the two killers. We do good to others who mistreat us. We're following the way of Christ. When we hold our tongue and do not slander or do not speak ill of those who mistreat us, we're following the way of Christ. Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 6. So we listen to what the Lord would say because He speaks on this particular subject. Luke chapter 6 verse 27. He gives very explicit, very explicit instructions. For in Luke, the Lord says here, Luke six twenty seven. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you would want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. 
If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful, unquote. I mean, it's a fact of life for all of us. People will mistreat you. People will misunderstand you. People will not show you respect. People will be rude to you. That's going to happen sometime in life. People won't be always kind to you. They're not going to always show you love. I mean, think back in your mind's eye. When was the last time someone mistreated you, said something to you, did something to you? That made you feel bad. That made you feel as if, boy, I don't know how I'm going to respond to that. And you feel hurt. When was the last time somebody did something against you? Maybe it was last month or maybe it was just last week. For most people, it was probably last week. Maybe it was yesterday. Someone said something to you that offended you. Somebody hurt you. Maybe it was even driving to church today. How do you respond? Do you blame others? Do you hold a grudge against them? Do you hold something against someone? Or do you bless them and pray for them? The text here says in Luke chapter, what difference is it? What difference does it make between you and a person who doesn't know Christ if you're going to be kind to those people who are kind to you? If you're going to be generous to those who are generous to you? If you're going to lend to those who are your friends? What difference does that make to, between you and somebody who doesn't know God? There's no difference because he says even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. If you treat others who treat you nicely, that's the same way as anybody else in the world. Worldly people are like that. You're kind to them. You'll be, they'll be kind to you or whatever it might be. But our way is not to be like that, like the Arabic custom of touching one's head and lips and hearts, symbolizing what... I think of you, I speak well of you, and my heart beats for you. And that's to be our expression to them as well. So how do we be a blessing to someone? How do we be a blessing to someone who mistreats us? The next verse tells us so. It says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now, of course, if we take that verse and take it out of its context, it's not so hard to follow, is it? Not so hard. We, we go and we go to a, a party, a baby party or a, or a wedding or whatever it might be, a birthday party. And we celebrate. We celebrate with those folks. We don't mope around or we go to a funeral. We're not going to be laughing and things like that. I've heard people laughing and carrying on during funerals, which is completely inappropriate. But how are we supposed to respond? How is this verse taken in this context? Well, this particular verse in this context is more challenging than... If we say, you know what, I'm going to rejoice with others who are rejoicing, even though they may mistreat me. I will, I will feel badly when they feel badly, even when they do not like me. When someone else is blessed at work or they, they, they are overtaking you, are you happy for them? When somebody in the, in the class, you know, some of these classes, they, they grade on a curve. And you know, there's always a few people who are these curve breakers, you know. And you wish that guy isn't in your class because, you know, he's going to get an A and everybody else will shift down. You know, are you truly happy that God has blessed them? 
What about when God blesses somebody else in a competition? When you're involved, those of you who are involved in sports, you play against someone, you play against someone, and they win. They win, in fact, they beat you real badly. Are you going to be happy for them? Or maybe you're on the flip side of things, and you're the one who is the winner. You're the one who is blessed by success. You gloat over your blessings, making others feel bad. I mean, Christians aren't supposed to be people who rub it in, cheer when others fail. You know, don't teach your kids to rub it in. I mean, that's just poor sportsmanship. It's terrible. They even have new rules in football about taunting your opponent. They, they know because that's, that's poor sportsmanship. But we're to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Those especially that what? Perhaps don't like us. Perhaps persecute us. We're to bless and not curse. Someone once said, A sorrow shared is but half the trouble. A joy that's shared is joy made double. We want to be people who will rejoice with others who see success. Who are blessed. Not feel sorry for ourselves when others are blessed. Why don't I get this? Or why don't I have that? Why? Because it reflects God. Might win them to the Savior if they don't know the Lord. That leads us to the next thought of how we are to view those who mistreat us. It says, be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in our own estimation. Haughty in mind being that it means minding high things. What does that mean? Well, in today's colloquial terms, it simply means somebody who's big on themselves or when I was a teen, we just called them stuck up. Somebody who's proud. And Paul has already mentioned earlier in this chapter that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think. When you think of somebody like this, it's not necessarily somebody who is audacious or, or, or belligerent or arrogant somebody who displays this attitude but sometimes people can defend people can show their haughtiness in mind by being very defensive or being argumentative or having an answer for most things when you know who knows what they're saying they always uh, they always are people who will defend whatever they say sometimes the blessings of god bring pride the things that we have, the things that we accomplish, or the family, we, we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. I remember a good friend of mine telling me a story about how he was at SeaTac Airport. And this was a, during a time, a few years ago, when, when they were reporting on the news how all of these airplanes were always coming in late and departing late. And apparently he was sitting there and watching this other man, this other man whose plane was delayed. It was the plane was delayed and, 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 and how he had heard the news and how he went up to the counter and he talked to the ticketing lady or the person who was behind the counter is this lady and he was very angry and is enraged because his flight was late or canceled and he said to the lady out loud he said do you know who I am the ticketing lady took the microphone and said in the announcement system, Ladies and gentlemen, we have a man here who doesn't seem to know who he is. If you know, please come forward. Some people think they are somebody when they are not. If you've ever been tempted to think highly of yourself, just remember, you, you, you aren't who you are, but by the grace of God, I mean, 
Everything we have, what do we have that we have not received? There's no place to look down on other people, but to be people who will say, you know what, I associate with those who are lowly. I associate with people who are, who are not, 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 not perhaps like me. I associate with people who are rejected. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember there was this, there was this, uh, there was this gal who, who was in grade school. And she, she was always by herself. And I suppose you can remember, too, when you were a kid, somebody like this. I mean, her, she would come to school and her name was Yvonne. Not this Yvonne, but there's another Yvonne, you know. And she, her, her hair was always matted. She seemed like she was always sick because her, her nose was always running. And, and, and sometimes she would seem to be ill or she had a, a lot of freckles. And some of the kids would just like leave her out, leave her out. And she'd be walking along the fence, I remember, kind of just all by herself. And I wondered what it was her family life like. Nobody would say hi to her. And it was the hardest thing I remember as a kid to try and say hi to her. Because why? I was concerned about, well, how will my friends look at me? Or will they tease me and say, well, you know, you like so-and-so? Or whatever it might be, the things that mean kids do. I mean, what, what, do, you, what do you teach your, your, your kids who are young? She says, you know, there's a kid over there that's by themselves. Would you go and play with them? Maybe you can make friends with them. Would you, would you go and invite them to come over and play with you? If you, maybe you were that type of kid who was lonely, who didn't have other friends on the playground. And you know what it's like. You know what it's like to be the last one as they set up all the kids on the fence and then, and then the two captains picked teams and you were always the last one. To associate with people who are lonely, who are rejected. Maybe you're part of the in crowd. Other people aren't part of things. And you say, what do you say? Oh, it's okay. I know that you're different than them. It's okay, you don't have to play with them. You don't have to play with that kid, even though maybe she's been beaten at home. Who knows? It's all right, you're just different. You don't have any interests that are the same as them. And maybe they turn you down the first few times. You know what? Encourage them to associate with the lowly. To be people who are people who love those who are alone. Otherwise, we think, well, oh, we're wise. We're wise in our own estimation, verse 16. We're wise in our own estimation. There's pride. There's pride. There's nothing that we have, nothing that we are, that we haven't been given by the Lord. And so we're to bless those who mistreat us. We're to bless those who are outright enemies, as he continues on. It says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This last section of how we are to treat those who are our enemies... And let's not play games here because some people say, well, I don't have enemies. I just have a lot of people I don't like. They, they don't like me. Well, I don't like them then. You know, hey, I, you know, they don't like me. I don't like them. We have peace. How do we treat people whom we don't get along with? 
How do we treat people who are enemies or who people that we don't click with or whatever it might be? Two aspects here that he says. Number one, we're to trust God and never take revenge. Trust God with people who have hurt us. Never to take revenge. Trust God. Trusting God that God knows what has happened. God knows how they have treated us. God knows what they have done. God knows their heart. And God says He will repay the wrong that has been done. When we decide to take matters into our own hands and get back at someone else, we become unforgiving people. It's not wrong to seek justice or to seek just compensation, but personal retaliation born from bitterness and revenge is forbidden. We do that type of a thing. That's our, that's our, that's our quote-unquote sinful nature. Some people say, oh, it's only natural to do that. Well, what's natural isn't necessarily right. Like the classified ad I read about this past week, it said a, a wedding dress for sale. Never worn. Will trade for a 38 caliber pistol. <laughs> I mean, I've mentioned it before. We easily take retaliation upon others. When somebody hurts us, somebody says something bad to us, what do we do? We go home. We'll slander them. We'll defame them. We'll tear them down. And when we do so, it's like sticking a knife into their back and pulling it out and they're bleeding and dying and they don't even know it. Because you've hurt them in a bad way. And they go away being very, very hurt and they don't even know that they're wounded. We'll do things to them. We'll give people a cold shoulder. We'll intentionally make them feel bad about something else in order to get back at them. We'll cheat them in some way in the future. Whatever it is, we surely aren't going to treat them the same way as if they were our good friend. And yet God says to bless them. To bless them. To, to do good to them. Sinful people desire revenge. Sinful people desire retaliation. But the godly Christian is to trust God and say, God, God will repay. Let me bless them in the meantime. It's one thing you see not to retaliate. But see, even the second step of the second aspect of what it's talking about here. One thing to hold back. But another thing to be a blessing, to do good. To do good to our enemies. Not only to trust God and not take revenge, but to do good to them. Some people feel it's okay and they say, well, I held my tongue. I didn't say anything. I just not doing anything. But it's another step to follow here as God instructs us to do good to them. Instead of not saying anything bad, say something good. Encourage them. Bless them. Grant to them, lend to them, be generous towards them, treat them as if they are a friend. I mean, inherently, there's, it says here, respect what is right in the sight of all men, if possible, so far as it depends upon you. Be at peace with all men. I mean, even there's a moral inclination among people that there is a rightness or an oughtness. This is an argument for the existence of God, by the way. There's a moral oughtness of what would be right to do that. Do what is right in the sight of all men. Not what is natural. I mean, some people can be very understanding. So, oh yeah, of course it's understandable that, they, that you told that person off. I can understand how you were angry and you gave them a piece of your mind. Well, certainly that may be natural, but it doesn't make it right. And oftentimes we say, oh, this is only natural or that's understandable. 
But even that thing of retaliation of what we have done to hurt someone else may be the wrong thing. So do good. And it says, if possible, so far as it depends upon you, be at peace with all men. I mean, many people want, some, want people to, to like them. We want people to like us. We, we will do whatever it takes to please people. And for some people, if they don't like us, it drives people crazy. It can drive them crazy. In situations, for instance, when there's two parties and there's a conflict, what is our responsibility? If you're having a conflict with someone, my responsibility would be to do what is right. And if I have offended, to apologize or whatever it might be. And irregardless of their response, it is for me, as far as it depends upon me, to be at peace with them. I've done what is right. And if they, they can, I have no control over how they'll respond. They may feel sour towards me for the rest of their life. They may not like me. They may not be a blessing to me, as it says here. But that's okay. That's okay, because as far as it depends upon you and what you have done before you and the Lord, you do what is right, you be a blessing to them. You be a blessing to them. Our goal is not to make them happy or to make them like us or whatever it might be. Our goal is to do what is right. And if they respond in a negative way, if they don't respond in a godly manner, if they don't respond positively, if they feel sour towards you or whatnot, it's okay. Because upon you, as far as it depends upon you, the Bible says, you are at peace. Just do what is right. And it says, never take revenge. Never take revenge. And that little phrase there, instead do good. And in so doing, you'll heap burning coals on his head. That passage comes from perhaps the the idea that in ancient times, the Egyptians had a custom that if a person wanted to demonstrate public contrition, that they were uh, sorry for what they had done. They would have a, a, a plate, a pan of burning coals on their head. And they would carry it on to represent the burning pain and guilt and shame that they carried. And the figure of speech is that when you do good to others, when you do good to them, when you bless them, when you are generous towards those that mistreat you, when you're good to people that do not treat you well, then you shame them. That they feel ashamed and in their heart, Lord willing, perhaps they will change. Because if you're, if you're going to treat them the same way that they treat you and get back at them, you know what? They'll have all the more reason to treat you poorly and to continue that on. But what kind of witness would that be? What kind of witness would that be? What kind of witness would Jesus have had if everyone who said and opposed him, he decided to take their life right like that? None. Because you know what? God is a forgiving God and we are to be people who forgive as well. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.15 See that no one repay another with evil for evil but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all men. When someone mistreats us do we seek their good? Do we seek what is best for them? Do we seek to do good to them? What is in their best interests? If we decide that we're going to just not say anything or to get back at them even. Now you say to yourself, that can be awfully difficult. Practically speaking, I know what is to do, but you know, I struggle in my heart, you say, with bitterness, with anger, with resentment. Somebody in your own mind, perhaps, that you can think of. Maybe there's a number of people like that in your life. 
that perhaps you don't get along with, that you don't have a right relationship with, that you feel angry towards, that you really resent and it has become a vice in your heart. I mean, you're okay most of the time, but I'll tell you, when that name is brought up, you feel this resentment in your heart or a vice. Let me take it a step further. Not only have they perhaps mistreated you, what would you do? You say it's hard when they've mistreated somebody that you love. Maybe they've mistreated your husband or your wife or your brother or your sister or your mother or your father, maybe even your kids. Somebody at school has mistreated your kids or your son or daughter and you feel helpless and it makes you angry, it makes you resentful and it makes you have a difficult time in responding as a blessing to that person who has mistreated somebody that you love. And you say, I know what the Bible says, but it's so hard. Let me encourage you that by the grace of God, God can change that heart. And help you to be a blessing to someone who mistreats you or mistreats someone that you love. That's where it says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't be overcome by the evil that is done to you. Nor be overcome by our own evil and retaliation. Evil can overwhelm us. We'll respond we're going to respond in a godly way to those, those who mistreat us as well as those that mistreat those that, that we love. We're to be a blessing to them. And I know that you can. I know that each one of you can. November 29th, 1898, there was a man named Clive Staples Lewis. Those of you who know his name is C.S. Lewis. He wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there was a movie made about it last year. He was a Christian man. Loved the Lord. And he wrote about a man that he was well acquainted with. This man would treat his wife very poorly. And he did things to his stepchildren that were not kind. But C.S. Lewis still loved that man. Extremely kind to that man. And did every kindness he could to that man. Even though this man mistreated those that he loved for the rest of his life. And Lewis wrote that he could love those who mistreated those that he loved because the man that he wrote about was himself. It's been said that we are hardest on the people that we love. We criticize them unjustly. We misunderstand them. We say things and have done things to them that we resent or that we regret, perhaps. We treat them poorly. We neglect them. We don't appreciate them. We are perhaps even mean to them. We say things that we wish we had not said in the past. And yet, what do we do? We overlook our own faults. We minimize our own sin. And for the rest of our lives, we treat ourselves generously. We pat ourselves on the back when things are going well. We feed ourselves. We clothe ourselves. We're a blessing to ourselves. We're kind to ourselves. We tell ourselves good things about ourselves when we are successful. And if we can treat somebody like that ourselves, who has treated others that we care about so poorly all of the times in the past when we've lost our temper, when we lost our patience, when we have said or done things that were not kind, when we have forgotten or neglected them, then so too can we be kind to those who would treat those that we love unkindly. We're to be a blessing to those who mistreat us. A blessing. Not simply saying, well, you know what, I won't say anything. But to go a step further and to bless them. To do kind things to them. To do good. Because that is what Christ would do. And that 
has an impact upon the world. A godly life who would bless those, not like the world would, treat them and give them back a piece of your mind, but to what? Be a blessing to them. To do good to those that treat you poorly. That is what God would desire us to do and be. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, how each and every day, Lord, we often fail when we treat those that we love in an unkind way. And yet, Father, we still love our own selves, how deeply we do. And Father, if we can do so, Father, we pray that we might extend that love to those who mistreat us. For Father, you care and you say that you will repay. So Father, may we be a blessing to those that mistreat us, those that persecute us, those whom are enemies, those that don't like us, those that perhaps we perhaps don't even like. But Father, you have called us to love them because you love them. And we pray, God, that we might be wholly devoted and submissive, Father, to your word. In Jesus' precious name, amen.